I love it when the Browns come. They're awesome. Um, praise God for that. Well, it's Mother's Day, and I just wanted to, I know this might be too late, but this is a reminder for next year. But I want to give you some ideas, some really bad gift ideas for mom. Um, if you've already done this, shame on you. If this is what you've already done, the first bad gift idea is this, fake flowers. Um, they're fake. So go buy some real ones. All right. So uh, next one, bad idea. An apron that says to serve man. That's probably not a good idea, especially men. Do not give your, uh, your wife or your mom an apron. That would not be good. Next one is a weight loss video. Bad idea. Don't ever give a weight loss video as a Mother's Day gift. How about this one? Snuggy. Um, contrary to popular opinion, these are not cool. Okay? So, um, so don't buy a Snuggy for, for mom. Uh, the next one is a vacuum cleaner. Uh, that's never a good Mother's Day gift unless she really asks for one. Anybody make that mistake? I hope not. And the last one, uh, this is my... Uh, a pet snake. That would be a bad idea, okay, for for a uh, Mother's Day idea, uh, gift idea. Maybe uh, you have given one of these already, but you can redeem yourself because we're going to talk about this morning the best gift that a, uh, a mother or a wife or any woman could ever have, and that is chocolate. No, um, the best gift that a woman could ever have is for a man to be a godly man. And so today we're actually... Uh, on the end, tail end of our series called Man Up. And for some of you think, why are we talking about men on Mother's Day? But it's just for that reason. Is uh, The greatest gift that um, a man could give is that he would be a godly man to his wife and that he would um, be willing to serve her and honor her in the way that uh, he should, that a man who has a mother would be able to be a, a son who honors his mom the way God would call him to, and that he would be a man who raises a family that um, that honors the Lord. And so today we're going to spend some time talking uh, about men. We've been talking about this guy, Samson. And if this is your first week with us, I'll give you a, a quick uh, catch up. Samson was a guy in the Bible who was very famous for being extremely strong. He had long hair and he had just, the ladies loved him. He had a problem with the ladies. I mean, I can definitely relate to that. I mean, I'm very strong. It, well, I don't know why people would laugh at that. I mean, it's just, I mean, you can't. Jeez. Um, but, I mean, seriously, I mean, I have uh, lady problems. I, literally, I just have these women who are constantly wanting to hug me and kiss me, and they're always all over me. Um, sure, they're my wife and my, my daughters, but um, one of them, well, one of them doesn't hug and kiss me. She just pukes on me. So that was the one you saw here. But um, other than that, that's the only lady, lady problems I have in, in my life. But Samson had some severe lady problems. Um, that was his weakness. He, he fell prey to, to women. Not that women are bad, but he fell prey in the wrong way um, to, to women. And he was a man who fell in, in, in purity. And he was called by birth at the very beginning of his life. He actually had his birth announced by an angel. He was a man who was dedicated by God, um, chosen by God, um, to deliver the people of Israel who had lived um, in, a, in a land um, that was controlled by enemies. They were, they were driven, the people of Israel were living in a time where the Philistines, a pagan enemy, was, um, was in control over their, over their land, over their nation. Um, they were not a free nation. They were a, a nation of slaves. And um, God had raised up and specifically called Samson to be a man after God, to be a priest, to lead his, to lead his people both spiritually and to lead his people to, to free them from their enemies. 
Um, but Samson, as we have read over the last few weeks, he has failed miserably over and over again. He has disobeyed God um, to the right and to the left. And he, has, he got into horrible trouble with Delilah. Um, we saw him lose his family. We saw him lose his friends. We saw him just be exiled from his nation. I mean, this guy has, has blown it. And last week he came to the final kind of um, tipping point where at the, Delilah had him captured. And um, the Philistine army um, bound him up. They gouged out his eyes. Actually, the... the People say they probably burned out his eyes. The theologians would tell me that. And they would literally scrape his sockets um, so that there was nothing left in there. Um, Then what they had him do is they had him bound in shackles. They shaved his head because his long hair, if you remember the story, was um, the very... Um, the very thing that said he was a, the gift of God. It, as a Nazarite, he had taken this Nazarite vow that said, um, I, I'm going to set apart my body and my life for God. But he had not done that. And his hair was a symbol of his dedication to God. And they shaved even the symbol that he was dedicated to God. He lost all his strength. And now they've got him as just a man who's a mockery. They've got him in chains. They've got him um, on this wheel. They say that the, the Bible says that he was grinding in the prisons. It's almost like he was um, like a mule doing a mule or an ox's work. He would be on this wheel just kind of grinding and walking all day. Um, the Bible also says that they used him for entertainment. Um, they probably whipped him and, and I don't know what they did to him, but they, they beat him and whipped him and made him dance or something like that just to make fun of him and to mock him. He's, he's at the probably the lowest possible point in his, in his life. He has no one. He has, he's lost his, his hair, he's lost his dignity, he's lost his strength, he's lost his freedom, he's in chains, he's a slave and he's being made fun of. He has, he has blown it in all intents and purposes of, of any, if there's any sign of hope, it is gone. And this is where we find him today. And, and I don't know if you are um, a, a person here today who can relate to Samson being in a stage of your life where you feel like you've kind of failed. Samson is at this place in his life where if there was hope for anything, he has, he has failed miserably. I mean, the one purpose that God had placed him on the earth for, he has just disobeyed and just did whatever he wanted to do. And he has failed miserably. He's failed as a leader of the nation. He's failed um, as, a, as a family man. He lost his, actually his wife was burned and, along with her father and killed. Um, he was even taken away from his own mother and father. I mean, he is, he's, he's at the bottom of the barrel. What what could there be, what hope could there be for a man who's failed so much? Maybe you're here and, and you have felt the same way. You have failed in, in many ways. And the question is this, is what do we do, uh, men and, and women, but what do we do when we have blown it, when we find ourselves in a place of, of failure? What do we do? You see, for men, I know for me, it, when you fail, men, it's, it's probably different than, than women. You see, women place a lot of value in relationships. Um, we know that because we watch them. Um, you know, when you watch a chick flick, it is about relationships. When men watch movies, it's about killing. Okay, so um, it, there's a little bit of difference there. W- women, they p- place their value in relationships. Men place their value in um, things like success and things like accomplishments. Men want to win. 
We want to be the best. We want to accomplish something. We want to say, I have achieved this. Look at what I won. Look at what I have done. That's where we place our values in, is in things that we've done. So when we fail, when we haven't accomplished anything, when we've, when we've missed our purpose in life, then it's a tremendous blow to us. You know, women are all about relationships. They even, relationships, they even invite their friends to go to the bathroom together. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, let's all, it's like they make an announcement. Hey, ladies, um, I'm going to the bathroom. Anybody want to come? Um, Men don't ever do that, okay? Men don't do that. Men don't make announcements. Hey, guys, I'm going to the bathroom. Anybody want to? Men just, you don't hear that. If if you do hear that, that man's going to get beat up really soon, okay? So that just, just doesn't happen, but. But a man's greatest fear is this, and I've kind of said this at the beginning of the, the series, but a man's greatest fear is this, is a man's greatest fear is failure, and his greatest pain is regret. A man's greatest, greatest fear is to fail, to be a failure, and his greatest pain is regret. And um, maybe some of you here have, have failed. Maybe you failed being the man of God that God has called you to be. Maybe you failed as a father or you failed as a husband. Maybe you've failed in, in the workplace and, and you feel like a failure. Maybe you kind of have a deadbeat job or a job that's way beneath your skill and you just feel like a failure because you feel like you should have a, a better job. Um, maybe you're in a deadbeat marriage and you haven't been man enough to make some changes and to go get counseling and do some things like that and you just kind of live in, just a, in a bad marriage and you've just stayed there and you feel like a failure because of it. Maybe you have children that won't speak to you or family members that won't speak to you because you've failed in some areas. Well, I want to tell you today that Samson teaches us a very important principle. Um, And he's going to teach us that that failure, and this is in your notes if you want to write this, failure is an event, never a person. Failure is an event, never a person. Men, if you have failed, it does not make you a failure. Women, if you have failed, it does not make you a failure. In Jesus, there are no failures. There are times when we fail that does not make you a failure. And we're going to see that in Samson's life today. I have a um, dear friend who I've watched over the last uh, couple years. He, um, last year, it was about this time last year that it came out that he had been having a a deep affair with his secretary. He was a pastor, a friend of a, of a great church, and he was um, having an affair with his secretary. And he, his, for, for several years, his wife had no idea. It all came out. He lost his, um, what he thought was going to lose his wife and his family. He has two little girls. He was almost lost his wife and his kids. Uh, he definitely lost his job. Um, he was removed from the church, and the church actually um, was almost shut down, and um, but was um, gracefully taken over by another church and, and saved. But I've gotten to see this guy. And I actually was in contact with him this week, and it just just breaks just breaks my heart because I've I've seen him kind of on the back end trying to come through with this. But the one thing I've seen him do is I've seen him take his failure and he hasn't become failure himself he said hey i have failed but i'm going to do something different and today i want to want to ask you just a simple question what are you going to do about your failures what do you do about your failures how how do you come out on the other side how are you going to change see men when when we fail um 
something, something happens to us on the inside. We can respond in different ways. And uh, I want to share with you, let's look and see how Samson responds. And let's see if we respond like him uh, or see if we don't. Verse 23 uh, gives us at the place where Samson has been captured. And here he is um, assembled with the Philistines. Verse 23. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God. And to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. So here the Philistines are. They're gathered in this Colosseum. And there's thousands there. There's three to 5,000 Philistines. There's the rulers of the land, the main officials. It's kind of a, a government party. And they're celebrating the capture of this guy named Samson because he was, he was a great enemy to them. He had killed many of their, their men. And they're saying, listen, we've captured him. We've humiliated him. Let's put him in this temple. They put him in this coliseum. And they're all kind of having a big party. And they're celebrating and giving praise to their god named Dagon. Now, their god's kind of interesting. It's very funny because he's, if you look up pictures of of the god Dagon, he's, the top half of him is a human man, and the bottom half is a fish. He's a merman. He's Ariel's dad, okay? And so it's kind of funny because they're praying and singing to Ariel's dad. You know, maybe they were, um, I don't know, maybe they're singing the, the mermaid song or something, but whatever, they, uh, they're singing and they're giving praises to God. They had captured this guy, Samson. Verse 24 says, When the people saw Samson, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain, because he had burned their fields and he had killed a thousand men with a uh, bone of a, jo- uh, a donkey's jawbone. Um, it says, While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. So how humiliating is this? Not only has Samson failed, now he's having to be mocked and he's performing for them. And they're making him dance or do whatever um, for their for their own entertainment. He's he's not in a good not in a good place. Um, it's pretty bad to be down, but get kicked while you're down is even worse, right? Um, it's it's kind of like when I was in middle school. Maybe none of you guys can relate to this, but when I was in middle school, I smarted off to this little boy. He was much smaller than me, and and he was kind of this wimpy kid. And I was smarting off to him. I was being a real real punk. Well, he punched me right in the eye. <laughs> he punched me hard. And uh, he gave me a nice black shiner. And I had to go to school the next day. And everybody mocked me because I got punched by the wimpy little kid because I was talking smack. And he punched me in the eye and gave me a little black eye. And so, so not only had I been humiliated, but then the next day I had to go and be made fun of. Maybe none of you guys had to experience that, but that was my wonderful middle school years. Um, but here's how many of us can respond to failure. There's, there's really two main responses. Number one, here's what we can do. We can be remorseful. And, and when we show remorse in, in failure, oftentimes it's, it's in a negative way. Uh, we feel bad. We, we say things like, I'm a horrible person. We say, I'm a failure. We say, I, I never can amount to anything. I'm, I'm stupid. And we just kind of blast ourselves. This isn't positive. This is not a positive way to respond um, to failure. The other way that we can respond to failure, too, is that we can, in remorse, we can say, well, it's not my fault, it's their fault, because we can't, it's too painful for us to accept the, the pain of that. So we say, well, it's, that was that fault. And Samson could have said, well, it's Delilah's fault, or it's those Philistines' fault, you know, or God, it's your fault, you got me into this, God. Um, you know, so he could have started blaming others, but uh, he didn't. <clears throat> the better response 
Instead of remorse would be to do what is called repentance. And the word repent literally means to turn and walk the other way. The Bible talks a lot about repentance. Sure, it's okay for us to to, to feel sorry for our failures, to to say, "I, I made a mistake. But repentance says, I own my mistake and I take responsibility for it. And, and instead of just wallowing in sorrow, I'm going to, to do something about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a change. I'm going to take action. The word repentance has, has an action uh, to it. It's not just a, I'm just going to sit in the corner and cry. Or I'm going to give up. Or I'm just going to say, this is it. I'm just, I guess this is just my lot in life. I'm just a failure and that's just who I am. No, that's not what, what Samson is about to do. That's not what repentance is. Repentance as an action. And, and one of the things that's difficult that we have to deal with is the fact that we, we can't ever undo what we did. You can't unsin, right? You can't unsin. You can't um, un-cheat um, on your spouse, as my friend did. He, he can't ever undo that. He's going to have to live with the consequences of that. But what he can do is he can repent and take action in the, fu- in the future. He cannot change the past, but he can change the future. And so the one thing that you and I have to do is we cannot let our past failures dictate our future. Our past failures cannot dictate our future. And we're going to see um, Samson do this. Uh, it's, it's this interesting moment in Samson's life. It's as if he, he remembers who God had called him to be in this moment of weakness. He's very broken. He's entertainment for his enemies. And it's like he remembers the person that God had called him to be. You see, when God calls a, a judge to, to lead over the nation, a judge is to be a, a, a man or, or a woman, in, in, in the case of uh, a couple different people in the Bible, um, but was to be a person who would say, I'm going to not just be a warrior, but I'm going to be a spiritual leader and take responsibility for the nation of Israel. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to stand in place for my nation, for my people, and I'm going to be responsible for them to God. And because they are, they are not free, because they are um, um, being you know, overrun by this enemy, I'm going to do whatever I can and use my life to, to, to make sure that our nation is free and that our nation has the opportunity to, to worship God. And it's almost as if Samson kind of comes back to this place where he remembers who God calls him to be. And look, look what happens. He says... Um, where did I go? Did I miss the verse? Here we go. It's in Judges uh, chapter 16, verses 25. Um, when they stood him among the pillars, verse 26, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. Oh God, please strengthen me just once more. You're, you hear how he calls out to God? He prays, and we don't hear Samson pray very often. Um, but here he, he describes God as something called Sovereign Lord. And that's an important part of this passage because Sovereign Lord is um, a, a title that you give to someone who is in total control. He's saying, God, I, I'm acknowledging that God, you are in total control and that, that, God, you are sovereign over everything. You are ultimately the Lord. I'm no longer in control. 
I'm no longer going to choose my own will, but I'm, I'm willing to take my will, lay it down, and place your will and your desires above my own. So his prayer is, is, is this, is that God, you're, I'm finally at the place where you're my boss. I mean, I've, he's got nothing. He's shackled, he's blind, his head's shaved, he's, he's nothing. And he's entertainment for his enemies. I've got nowhere to go, God. So he goes to God and says, God, I'm, I'm all yours. And he goes, God, just, if you could just remember me. It's almost as if he feels so far from God because, you know, when, you, when you've sinned and you've made some big mistakes, you feel far from God. And there's, it's, there's this gut of shame and guilt inside and you, you feel like God has abandoned you, like God has forgotten about you. You say things like, God must not love me or forgive me anymore. Men say that. Women can say that too. I say, because I failed, because I messed up. And he says that, God, if you could just remember me, oh God. Well, you're going to get to see the, the grace of God in his, this guy's life. Because this is so true about our lives. And it becomes true about Samson too is this. Is even in our failures... God can still fulfill his purposes. Hear that? Even in our failures, God can still fulfill his purposes. Here's a guy who seems like he has messed up and he has turned from God and he's done some horrible things. He's messed up bad. But here he is calling out to God saying, God, I, I, need, I need you to remember me. He says, I'm, I'm gonna choose to not just feel sorry for myself. I'm gonna choose to repent. And look what he does in verse 29. It says, and Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood. Bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other, Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Samson said, I'm willing to give it all to fulfill the purpose that God had finally called me to do. He came to the place where he was broken. He said, I'm, I'm going I'm to lay my life down. I'm going to sacrifice myself so that I can accomplish the purpose that God had placed me here for. And you say, well, maybe you're kind of thinking, this is really strange. Why is fulfilling his purpose, killing all these people, why is that a good thing? Well, because in killing these people, these Philistines, these enemy territory, it allowed the nation of Israel to once again be free. You see, all the politicians were there. Many of the government were there of the, of the Philistine people. And this totally messed up their nation, destroyed them, and, and they had to pull out of Israel. Israel was able to raise up and be a free nation. We, we know very well what it means to be a free nation here in America. And sometimes we can take that for granted. But if, if you're a person who... Um, has ever had to be overseas and live in a place where you didn't feel very free, then you come to appreciate America very quickly. And so this nation was not free. They were not free to worship God the way they wanted to. And so in his death, he allowed the people to be free. It reminds us of a, a, a perfect story that, Jesus, that uh, the Bible shares, doesn't it? That there was a man who came who was willing to lay down his own life for our freedom. Uh, he was willing to conquer the greatest enemy that we will ever face, and that is Satan, so that we might be free of our own sin and shame and suffering, that we might have eternity in heaven with him. That person is Jesus. So just what Jesus did for us, 
He came and he died the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I might be free from our sins. And here Samson is doing that for his people. He lays it all on the line. And so I I just want to say to you, men, maybe you're in a place of failure and you need to look at the life of Samson. He's a guy who really messed it up. But even at the end, there was still, it was still never, he had failed too much. You see how God answered his prayers and gave him strength to push down a, a whole Colosseum? I mean, imagine that, the strength that it would take to move these giant marble columns. This is not, a, uh, this is not the world's strongest man competition. This is 10 times stronger than any man that you've ever encountered. This is Hulk status, okay? This guy is incredibly strong, and his strength didn't come from his own muscles and because he had a great workout regimen and because he did P90X with Tony Horton. Okay, that's not why he was so strong. He was strong because the God had enabled him to be so, because God had given him the potential to rise up and to free the nation. Within you, men, there is the potential to be leaders in your home, to be leaders in your workplace, to be leaders in, in, your, in your community, in our city, um, for, for our faith. And so God has given you that potential. And some of you have never prayed that prayer that says, God, give me the strength to be the man you've called me to be. Because you feel like you failed. Well, like Samson, you can be a man who says, I, I'm not going to live in the past. I'm not going to live in my past regrets. But I'm going to live for the future. And I'm going to be a man who calls out to God and say, God, I'm going to lay my life down for your sake. I'm going to lay, lay my life down for my family's sake, for my wife's sake, for my community's sake, for my friend's sake, that I would, for my faith's sake, that I would be a man who, who was willing to, um, to honor God in, in what I do. Some, sometimes people think that there's like this, there's this scale that tips. It's like if we sin too much, God forgets us. Well, I don't think anyone's ever experienced that because I don't know that anyone's ever sinned so much. God couldn't forgive them. We even see Samson, a man who, who sinned over and over and over again. And he probably asked that question, God, have I sinned too many times for you to help me? Have I sinned too many times for you to forgive me? But, but Samson shows us clearly the grace of God. Jesus shows us ultimately the perfect picture of the grace of God. Listen, your life is a picture can be a picture of the grace of God. I know now that my friend who um, is, uh, who I was telling you about, who had had the affair, he's back with his family. Uh, he's no longer a pastor, but he's um, got another job, and he's um, trying to restore his relationship with his wife and with his kids and earn his trust back. In fact, he is, um, they've been going through counseling and working with other pastors and and I asked him just this week, and I'm like, man, how, how are you doing? And he said, he said this to me. He said, I'm better than I've ever been in my whole life. He said, a, a broken man is the best place that it, he's found to be the best place that he could have ever imagined it to be. You see, he lived as a prideful man, a man who lived in sin and in deep addiction and in, in lying as he was just deceiving his wife and his family. He thought everything was going good. But he was deceiving himself and deceiving his family. But now as a broken man, as a man who's been humiliated. I mean, imagine as a pastor, it, you know, your, your failures are very, very public as a pastor. Here he had a church of about 700 people. And so this whole church, he had to go before his whole church and confess what he had done. And not only that, he was a pastor who had influence over many other pastors. 
I mean, he had a Twitter page, and he had lots of pastors following him, and he had other church planters who were looking up to him, and he was teaching these seminars and coaching other pastors on how to be a good pastor. And, you know, he's doing all this, but yet in the midst of this, he's living a deceitful, sinful life. And all these other pastors that he had been reaching out to and, and coaching and teaching, what humiliation that he's found. I mean, he's, he lost everything publicly. But he's telling me this week, he says, man, I'm, I'm better than I've ever been. And he's doing great with his wife. He's doing great with his kids. You know, and that is, that is such a, a, a great picture, again, of the grace of God. Guys, you might be in a place where you've, you feel like you've failed too much. But you know what? You're going to have to make some changes. Repentance is about change. Repentance is about um, making something, taking an action and doing something different. Um, it's kind of funny, but uh, but it's a good illustration of this. My wife, um, about a month ago, really started struggling with um, homeschooling our kids. We have six children. As you can imagine, that's difficult in itself. Um, we have four that are uh, in grade school, and then we have two babies. Now, my wife, she's an amazing woman. She homeschools the four older ones all at different grade levels, and trying while and while taking care of two babies, she does all this and take care of the house and take care of church stuff. She has to take care of me, which is a big job, and because uh, I'm the biggest baby in the family. But but she's having to do all this, and she came to me and she's like, "Jay, I'm just I'm really having a hard time with with um, schooling the kids," and and she was trying to talk to me about it, and I listened and I said, "Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I hope tomorrow goes better." You know, so um. Then she'd come back, you know, a couple of days later. She's like, Jay, I'm just having so much difficulty. The kids didn't seem like they were learning. The curriculum wasn't working well. And she's like, Jay, you know, I'm, she's kind of sharing her problems. And I go, well, man, I'm really sorry. I, I hope that works better. Um, she came to me multiple times. And I just kind of, I listened. But then I never did anything about it. And kind of finally it came to this, we, we got in this argument. And she just said, Jay, I don't want you to listen I want you to, to lead. And I, of course, my brain just was not working. And I, like, I don't understand. And so I had been watching this movie, Courageous. Anybody seen that movie? See the movie, Courageous? I watched the movie, Courageous, and I, for whatever reason, I just Googled up the internet, the resolution from the Courageous. And I, I read the first line of, of that, and, and listen to what I read. It says this, the first, um, the very first line. It says, I do solemnly resolve before God to take full responsibility for myself, my wife, and my children. And God just convicted me deeply. Um, but I was, sure I was listening, but I was not taking responsibility for my family. I was letting my wife run my family, and I was just kind of playing along. And what my wife did not need me to do, she did not need me to listen, she needed me to lead and take some responsibility. And I just felt deeply convicted. And I said, okay, God, then I'm going to have to make some changes. So um, I'm not bragging about this, but I said, okay, Johanna, I'm going to homeschool the kids. And she kind of laughed at me. And I said, no, I'm serious. I was like, let me, I'll take them in the mornings between, between like nine and, and lunch. And then I'll just start working later in the afternoon. I'll work evenings and uh, I'll change my schedule around. And I'll work mornings, I'll work evenings and I'll homeschool kids during the day. Um, my kids were not excited about this. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm sure they got much stupider while I was um, homeschooling them. They probably didn't learn anything. But for about two weeks, I said, okay, I'm going to do this. So I, Joanna showed me what to do. 
And I said, all right. And she's like, are you sure you're going to do this? I'm like, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to take some leadership and some responsibility. So I gave her a break so she could take care of the little ones and kind of figure out curriculum and figure out what she wanted to do and how, what changes she was going to make. I said, well, I'll, I'll continue doing things while you kind of take a break and do that. And, um, I don't think my kids learned anything or whatever, but at least, at least my wife got a little bit of a break from that. Um, and it was, it was tough. It was difficult. I had to make some changes, but I had to get to the place where I said, am am I, am I gonna, am I gonna make a change? Am I gonna do something different? See, what I was doing is I was, there were, there were senior management issues going on in my family and I was acting like a janitor. See, there were problems in, in our, in our family but I was just kind of, well, I'll be a janitor. I'll change diapers. I'll help clean up here and there. I'll vacuum if you need me to. But don't, I don't want to make any kind of decisions or leadership in my family or in my home. I mean, that's not, you're not designed to be the janitor. God has called us to, to take responsibility for our families, take responsibility for, for our faith, take responsibility for our, our wives and for our children. And some of you are in positions where your, your janitor is in your home and you're supposed to be in senior management. And in senior management, you have to take responsibility. When there's issues, you have to raise up and be responsible. And so I, I want to close by reading to you this resolution. Because it is, I don't know if you've read it in a while, but I want to read it to you. And again, I didn't write it. Um, but it is challenging. And man, I, I want you to give the best gift that you can ever give um, to your wife, um, to, to any woman. Or even if you're a single guy, this is the best thing that you can do um, as, as a man is to make a resolution like this, to stand up and, and to resolve to live this way. Let's, let's read this. I put it on your little note card, but we're going to put it on the screen if you want to follow up there. But uh, here's the first sentence. It says this, I do solemnly resolve before God to take full responsibility for myself, my wife, and my children. I will love them, protect them, serve them, and teach them the word of God as the spiritual leader of my home. I will bless my children and teach them to love God with all their hearts, all their minds, and all their strength. I will train them to honor authority and live responsibly. I will confront evil, pursue justice, and love mercy. I will work diligently to provide for the needs of my family. I will forgive those who have wronged me and reconcile with those who I have wronged. I will learn from my mistakes, repent of my sins, and walk with integrity as a man answerable to God. I will seek to honor God, be faithful to his church, obey his word, and do his will. And the last one, I will courageously work with the strength God provides to fulfill this resolution for the rest of my life and for his glory. That's something worth fighting for, to be men who stand up, who are willing to to stand up for our families and our faith, lay our lives down and not wallow in remorse that whatever mistakes you've made, men, is in the past. You cannot change the past, but you can change the future. Some of you need to repent today. Some of you need to um, make a resolution today to be men um, who are going to, to honor God with their lives and honor God by leading their families. I'm gonna challenge you to do that today. Uh, men, I want you to stand up in the room. If you're a man, I want you to stand. Whether you're single, you might be a young man. I want you to stand. I want to pray for the men today as we close. And then uh, the band wants you guys to come on up. And we'll have you guys lead us in worship. And, and women, you can pray for these guys too. 
And let's pray, men, together that we would be the men that God would, 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 uh, would honor. Father in heaven, we come to you together as men wanting to, to honor you, wanting to stand up and be the men you've called us to be. God, for those of us who have failed, may we not wallow in pity or, or in sorrow, but may, God, we stand up in repentance. We might confess our sins to each other, God, may we turn and walk the other way. May we stand strong in you and pray for strength. Father, I pray for every man in this room that this week and, and for every week following, God, that you would give us the courage and the strength to be the men you've called us to be, that we would live up to the potential that you've created in our own lives, that we would fulfill the purpose you've made us to fulfill. Father, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.